As the world struggles with COVID-19, every public or private event is getting cancelled or postponed. Many live events are slowly being replaced or augmented by virtual ones, which make us wonder if these tough times will set a precedent for the industry to think of new ways to network, communicate and engage at events in the future. Certain technologies like 5G, augmented reality and holographic speaker claims to be on a path to support the needs of anytime, anywhere event experience. But let's hear what event planning experts have to say about it. Hey guys, this is your host Ashish Jain and you're listening to the Alignment Podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact. Our guest today, Brandon Kruger, is the go-to expert to help event planners make educated decisions when it comes to event technology. Brandon is the owner of Event Technology Consulting and has over 20 years of experience and hundreds of production under his belt. He also takes classes on event production at Event Leadership Institute. He's an active speaker about event technology on his podcast, Event Tech. My goal today is to get his authentic perspective on the role wireless connectivity plays in planning events and unwrap some realistic possibilities and challenges in adopting technologies such as 5G to improve the conference and event experience. Hopefully, together we will separate some facts from friction. Brandon, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I wish it was under better circumstances. <laughs> yes. Well, I think when we set up this podcast, we were well in shape of planning a lot of good events. And since then, <laughs> a lot of a lot of things have changed. And this must have been hard times. I just wanted to, you know, take your perspective on what's going on. And I know we were talking about a few things that were very intriguing. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a difference uh, a month or so makes. Uh, you know, when when we first started talking about doing this uh, this episode, which might have even been pushing two months ago as we record this, you know, we were looking forward to all of the boundless possibilities. You know, that that 5G and and Wi-Fi 6 were going to be bringing the meetings and events industry, specifically talking a lot about, you know, the what that was going to bring even to in-person events. I mean, obviously now. With the way that you know we've seen basically every in-person meeting and event over a couple of people, you know, cancel this this month um, and leading into next month and and beyond, you know, now it's a very different discussion, but still a discussion that that we can have. You know, the if anything, we're going to be looking even harder at these technologies in the next few weeks as this you know kind of you know, gold rush, for lack of a better term, you know, maybe a land rush is better uh, than a gold rush um, uh, to to try and get our meetings and events online. Bandwidth is going to be more important than ever. No, that is, that's an important point. Bandwidth is going to be more important than ever. And I've been following trends. I'm not in the event industry, but I am a regular participant at events. I speak at events, you know, when the come from a telecom industry, Mobile World Congress is one of the largest events, right? So I see a lot of technology adoption there that is already happening in terms of, you know, live streaming and having uh, virtual meetings and things like that. Where do you see, and you, you kind of look at the industry across the board, you work with wide variety of events. Where do you see the gap is in the in the industry overall in adopting these kind of you know forward looking technologies overall where it, they, it allows them to connect with the audience whether in person or remotely? So there's 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 a there's a couple different factors and and one of which is that the meetings and events business is is inherently a conservative small c uh, industry in that you know we we tend to look at technology very carefully 
before implementing it. Very few events allow you to just go nuts and like do whatever's bleeding edge, you know, those kinds of things. Certain types of companies, you know, that's okay to get away with, but most people, you need everything to work, right? You need the audio to work right. You need the lights to work right. You need the video to work right. You need to be able to hear everyone on, on their microphones. You need to be able to see them well. And then same thing goes for the live streaming and the online technology, right? You just need it to work right because much like you know, much like weddings or, or theater or something like that, the events business, you only really get one shot. And so, you know, if you really screw the pooch and mess something up on your event, there's not a lot. It's not like theater where like, oh, well, we'll fix that between the, the next night and, you know, it'll be it'll be fixed by tomorrow. Right. So, you know, there's there's a lot more pressure on meeting and event planners to it just has to work. It has to be bulletproof. And so technology really does tend to lag in our industry when it comes to adoption of even the simplest things like an app for your event. So, you know, we've had event apps for, you know, a long time now. And it's really only, I'd say, been within the last three years or so that it's basically expected that you would have an app you know, that go along with your conference where you click in, you can check your agenda and all that kind of stuff. And even still, you still see, you know, the agenda printed on the back of the badge, you know, because there's, you know, because there's this, this, you know, you just need, you need backups upon backups upon backups uh, in, in our world. And so as a result, that, that filters through the entire industry. So when we talk about things like, you know, the future of, you know, bandwidth, the future of 5G, the future of Wi-Fi 6, all of these types of technologies. It's like, okay, that's great. Is it going to work? <laughs> and if so, yeah. how is it going to work? Is it going to work well or is it going to be flaky? Which is it's some of the concerns that I have, you know, uh, when we start looking at, you know, when I when I read about the specs of 5G and, and you know, I see that it's running on these different spectrums, you know, with the high band, the mid band, the low band and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I get concerned about how are those handoffs going to work? You know, are people going to be really, really loving the ultra high speed point to point stuff, you know, when they're out in the park? But then as soon as they walk into the convention center, they get knocked down to the medium tier. And then the deeper in the convention center they get, they get into the lower bands that are only marginally faster than what we have now, is my understanding. That brings an interesting point, right? So based on you know from an event perspective and i'll come back to your your point about 5g on different spectrum bands and this is an interesting uh, observation on you know different spectrums being used because 5g is a multispectrum technology but before we dig deeper into whether 5g is going to be you know valuable in 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 those indoor and or outdoor experiences Help me understand a little bit more on what role does connectivity overall, and in, in particular, wireless connectivity play a role in your event planning? Like when people are planning events um, and you're helping them decide on technologies, is Wi-Fi or any other wireless is just a checkpoint. It's like, yeah, people will need to check their emails and, you know, booth, trade show booth people need need some sort of a connectivity to, to display their screens and things like that. How, what, is the, what is the role? Like how, do you, how strategically do you think about wireless? When you plan events, it's it's been fascinating to watch that evolve over over the course of of again kind of the last five years or so. Is you know when when event apps first came out, there was like a lot of questioning about 
you know, does it, you know, what happens when it disconnects? You know, what happens when you get sketchy connectivity? You know, is it caching things locally? Is it having to check the server like all the time? And, you know, that became less and less of an issue as connectivity became more and more you know, omnipresent in our venues, in our hotels, in our, you know, convention centers and things like that. It's funny now, though, that, you know, we really are pretty much at the point in most, you know, I would say most of North America, most of Europe, you know, definitely in, in East Asia, you know, where it's just expected that there's, you know, good connectivity, you know, out and about. So, you know, we're at this kind of inflection point where it really is expected that you have good connectivity. And, I, I, you know, as, I've, as I said earlier, this the, our industry tends to lag behind. And so I've had planners say, you know, oh, well, my my audience isn't very technically savvy. You know, they're, they're very, you know, all they're doing is maybe checking emails or something. Like that. So we don't need Wi-Fi or, you know, we don't want to pay for it or, so, you know, you know, those kinds of things, because it can be really expensive at our venues. That's a whole nother soapbox topic for me. But, um, you know, staying on this point. But then at those events, those are the people that are coming up to me saying, so there's no Wi-Fi where, you know, I think there's there's still this lingering myth that, you know, older people aren't online, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Which, which simply isn't true. You know, who, who do you think's on Facebook now? Right. You know, exactly. you know, this, the people that are over 60 are the ones that are checking in on the grandkids and, you know, uh, you know, sharing, you know, recipes and news articles and things like that. So, you know, the, and also, you know, as more and more of the work you know, workforce uh, is are using online tools, whether it's Slack or, you know, or even Zoom meetings or things like that, you know, more and more people are having those tools put in their hands and they expect to be able to use them when they're on site. So, you know, the attendee expectations of being able to have always on access to the internet are, are have never been higher. And yet there's still a little bit of a lingering, you know, oh, this is a this is a luxury, right? You know, it's, mm -hmm. I think that ties into the pricing and things like that that we see in venues is that there's still that kind of, you know, oh, you're paying for this luxury to provide Wi-Fi for your, in, you know, for your attendees. Whereas I think really it needs to be infrastructure at this point. It's, you know, you don't charge your attendees more. I'm going to get a little bit on the soapbox just for a second. You don't charge <laughs> you don't charge your attendees more you know, based on how much, how many showers they take, you know, in their, in their hotel rooms, you know, you don't charge how many times, you know, they're using the bathrooms down outside the convention center. You don't charge them more based on how much time they spend on the pool. So, you know, or, you know, how much electricity they use or things like that. So I think we need to start thinking as an industry and as venues, uh, less about Wi-Fi and connectivity being a profit center and more about it being, just good infrastructure. It's something that we need to provide just like water and electricity. Well, that's a very strong point. People will not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have some opinions on that, but yeah. People will not invest in technologies if they can't make money from it. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a sad part of, you wow. know, technology. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you're I think right. you're right. But I think there's, there's still a case to be made for that, you know, right? So that you still upgrade the pool every few years, right? Because, you know, it's expected because if you've got a crappy pool from 1973, you know, uh, nobody's going to want to swim in it and your hotel doesn't look as nice. And so I feel this should be kind of treated the same way. But that's, no, I, I, that's I, I, I totally agree with you. We, we kind of call it in our industry Wi-Fi or wireless. Well, I talking particularly in Wi-Fi because that became a tagline there is the next utility, yeah. right? And I think wireless wireless is the next utility overall. The, the, the challenge is, you know, how do you ensure a consistent behavior of that utility? We, we have an expectation that, you know, the lights when you 
turn the switch on, it, it lights up a sweat a bulb. And if it says 60 watt, it gives you 60 watt, right? And uh, <laughs> and uh, and with with wireless, that's that's been a challenge uh, to an extent in the past. But I think uh, you made a point which I want to go back to. You said good connectivity is expected, and you know the definition of good is subjective to you know who do you talk to. So in the event industry, you know what does that mean? I, I spoke with one of the uh, surgeons, the brain surgeons, and another podcast, and I asked him, okay, what what do you need? I mean, what where do you see your connectivity needs are? Right. And for him, it was, you know, telemedicine needs to work every time I need to do it. And, and I'm like, OK, I can do video calls anytime I want. Uh, he said, yeah, but I don't want any jittery calls. I don't want every time it works. So from an event perspective, where do you see the, the fine line is of saying it's good? This is what we need and the wish list of what we really want it to be. Uh, that's fair, and it's something you need to look at in the design process. So to a certain extent, you still have to, you do have to know your audience, perhaps a little better than we have in the past. You know, having some, you can at least try and have some idea of, are they just, you know, checking email and Facebook, or do they need to do, you know, teleconferencing? You know, do they need to step out into the hallway and, you know, take a Zoom call? Do they need to be on Slack all the time? Uh, also, the number of devices, right? You know, uh, a lot of times these access points are limited on the number of devices that each one can handle. And so you might have, I don't know, you know, six or eight of them in the, in the ballroom, um, each capable of handling 200 people, you know, but if you've got uh, a thousand people, you know, or more, 2000 people in the room, and most of them have a phone and a tablet or a phone and a computer. So knowing, you know, are they the type that, you know, only have a phone and are just checking it occasionally? Are they the type that have multiple devices? You know, I've rolled into a conference, uh, you know, as an attendee with my phone, with my laptop and with my iPad, all connected and needing to hop from one to the other to the other, depending on what I was doing. So, you know, if, you know, having having you know enough capacity not only for the sheer number of people that you are planning on having, but also the potential number of devices that they're going to have. And then the other thing that you know frequently gets forgotten about then is okay if each one of those access points is only capable of doing so many people, as you get further and further away from that ballroom you're maybe only hitting the last one before the door. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to have that reception then out on the patio, you know, and everybody is, you know, still attached to that Wi-Fi, now all of a sudden you've got, you know, a thousand people trying to hit an access point that's only designed to take care of 200. Okay. And, <laughs> and, you think, and you think 4G has not been able to solve that problem? You know, it's really has got. I think sometimes we forget how good we've got it compared to how you know how you know, how it used to be. I you know I, I vividly remember, you know, barely being able to hit 4G signals. You know, in you know in Midtown Manhattan, to the point where you know you could literally watch your battery going down because it was trying to hit that 4G signal, and you know you just you know 100. 99, 90, you know, uh, and, um, you know, so I can't think, I also, you know, vividly remember because I traveled a fair amount, you know, being deep in the bowels of convention centers and not being able to hit cellular signal of any kind. Mm. Um, I can't think of the last time that's happened, though, you know, it's been quite some time that I, I to the point where I couldn't tell you how recently it's been where I didn't have cellular connectivity. 
I've had it where it didn't work great. And so it was just better to hop on the Wi-Fi, uh, you know, just to just to, you know, get the speeds up a little bit and get the connectivity uh, running a little better. But I can't think of the last time that I've been in a major venue and not had it work. And so I think it's easy to forget. Uh, you know, that, that that it's actually much better than it used to be. Uh, obviously, it makes a big difference if you're in cities versus rural and all that kind of stuff. But as far as my industry goes, as far as the places I'm working and the places that I'm working out of, I think the, the blanket coverage is, is generally pretty good, uh, at least as far as I've seen. Yeah, no, that, that's my experience as well. Um, so when I look at connectivity at events, right, I look at in two or three different perspectives. One is... The connectivity I need to give to an average visitor like myself, like who is going in and, you know, interacting with people, just using the facility and all that. The second is the connectivity I need to provide to the people who are, you know, exhibiting there. And then the connectivity the event planners would need to run their operations, run and market themselves or broadcast the content they're producing at the show. How do you plan for these three things differently, right? So one is, I mean, of course, the first one I'm, from a visitor perspective, whether it's Wi-Fi, whether it's, you know, blanket coverage of 4G or newer technologies, I think that one way or the other uh, addresses the need by providing less patchy coverage. When it comes to exhibitors, they have a little bit more specific needs in terms of, you know, having a dedicated bandwidth to some extent, I assume. And then... The third one, which is, I believe, is a bigger bucket, is now I want to do more things with my operations, whether it comes down to digital displays, whether it comes down to live broadcasting, whatnot. So how do you how do you separate those three needs? And, we, and where do you see 5G playing a role? So you bring up some fantastic points there and, and some that I had intended to get to earlier, but I'm like the puppy dog following the, the butterfly. I just kind of move from, move from thing to thing to thing. Um, so, so yeah, in addition to the attendee experience, there's obviously these other buckets. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we frequently talk about in audiovisual and, and technical side is, you know, what things are mission critical. So when you start thinking about mission critical portions of your event, right, uh, we're talking about things like registration, you know, so being people being able to walk up, they want to be able to get their badge. Obviously, you need to be able to ping the servers back, you know, back in the cloud to make sure that person is registered for their event. So those as a general rule, you know, we don't want to put those on Wi-Fi. We want to put those on a hardline Internet connection. Same thing with anything that's going to be on stage, right, where we're doing some kind of live Internet demo. Famously, if you go back and watch the Apple uh, keynotes with Jobs, where he literally is telling people to shut down their personal hotspots in the room because there was so much wireless interference that he couldn't get the, you know, couldn't get the iPhone or the iPad, I forget which one it was, to connect uh, to their to their Wi-Fi. Mm. So paying attention to anything that's an on-stage demo, you know, is there any way to make that a hardline connection as opposed to a Wi-Fi connection? So anytime you've got these mission critical uh, sections of your event, so registration, on-stage demos. The live stream, right? So if you are going to be live streaming that out, you want to make sure that that's going out on a hardline internet connection, right? That you're not sharing that connection with the 3,000 other people in the room. So anytime you're using those things. Now, some of the problem is, and you're, I mean, you're kind of an infrastructure guy, so, you know, you probably know this thing, these things, is that unfortunately then that goes back, you know, that hardline goes and connects into a switch 
that the Wi-Fi access points are also connected to that switch and, you know, it all slams together, you know, into a bottleneck into a, in a back closet somewhere. So, um, you know, venues have a responsibility to try and, you know, w- keep those kind of mission critical lines open for their attendees and have their have their infrastructure planned out in a way so that it's not all going to slam into the same dusty switch in a back closet. Now to try and get to the last section of that question, <laughs> there was a lot of questions wrapped in that question is how does 5G start to play into a point? Well, you know, looking for those bottlenecks, looking for those ways that we can have redundancy, whereas the high-speed, you know, high-band high 5G might not work deep down in the convention center, you might still be able to use it to point-to-point out of the convention center. So in addition to having the copper or fiber lines coming out of the event venue, you know, this might be another kind of redundant service, being able to get those really high-speed point-to-point connections. So, you know, if in case the fiber is out, then you've still got the 5G. And maybe the 5G is the primary and the the copper or the, uh, you know, or the fiber is the secondary. I'll leave that to smarter minds than me. But, you know, 5G starts to be able to help as a, you know, kind of more of a point to point in that instance. Um, Beyond that, I think, you know, I I suspect that the, the, the overall changes won't be large. To, to the, at least in the venue side, that I think, you know, I think Wi-Fi is still going to be Wi-Fi. It's just going to be, you know, they'll upgrade it when they need to, you know, to, to Wi-Fi 6, uh, you know, and I think uh, venues, I think, are reluctant to put in things like, you know, cellular amplifiers and things like that because they want to sell you the Wi-Fi. Um, so I think we'll continue to have decent, but maybe spotty um, 4G and 5G coverage uh, because there's not going to be a lot of incentive for venues to to put to make it accessible immediately to the attendee, but there is this possibility of maybe using it as a way of providing access for the entire facility. Oh, thanks. That is an interesting viewpoint on, uh, and I'll pick up on a few that you mentioned. One is, of course, you know, seeing that you know that how many parts of the business are still running on hardline internet connection especially like things like registration, which is not necessarily a bandwidth heavy application, but it is just no, the, no. The, the reliability aspect that is absolutely critical. On-stage demos, live streaming. And these are these are the areas where at least on paper so far, you know, 5G is claiming that it can solve and bring some value in terms of either it's related to latency, whether it's related to, you know, reliability aspects of the connection and high bandwidth, right? especially when you're doing live streaming. So we, we still to see, I know the Super Bowl this year, uh, the, the stadium was powered by 5G. There's a lot of interactions, you know, live engagement was happening. And I was reading some statistics on, you know, uh, FIFA 2018 World Cup streamed like 5,200 or something like that, 5,200 gigabytes per second of data at the, at the mm-hmm. game. And, yeah. Right, so that, that is just crazy amount of bandwidth that is needed to stream anything live. But at the same time, we've also seen Mobile Congress last year actually uh, partnered with one of the vendors, uh, I believe Samsung it was, uh, who have basically helped them do live broadcasting and all the shows that were being, you know, keynotes and everything were being broadcasted at some odd hotels uh, on, a, on a real-time basis, wirelessly. The, 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 the way we see this is, and I'm not sure how much economical that is for different size of events, but the technologies is kind of moving in that direction to to support the bandwidth needs and the, and the untethered need of 
of these experiences. So just wanted to take your view first on, have you seen event planners even talk about 5G when you have discussions with them or <laughs> it is just like a foreign term to them? A little bit. I mean, my 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 take on it and what I've been spending you know, some time on and, and, and had the pleasure to, to speak at some industry conferences and things like that about 5G is mostly to tell people to just slow your roll a little bit. You know, that, you know, I think people are worried. Um, obviously, now they've got bigger things to worry about. But, you know, a few a couple months ago, uh, you know, everything was 5G, 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 5G. I mean, it was it was in every advertisement. It's in every marketing thing. And so, you know, people are, are legitimately just wondering, hey, is this something I need to be paying attention to? Is this something I need to know about? Do I need to be asking my venues? Are you 5G compatible? You know, I think. And so I've been spending a fair amount of time just trying to get the information out there of like, hey, this is, you know, the the basics of how the technology works. It's not, you know, it's not something that's going to, you know, just revolutionize everything tomorrow. Um, you know, this is going to take some time. You know, I, I actually said in some of my presentations, all right, anyone here, raise your hand if you think 4G is completely rolled out right now. <laughs> Nobody raises their hand, right? You know, because there's so many places that it's still sketch or, you know, you get into rural areas where you can't get it at all. So, you know, this is, you know, and that was what, five years ago? More than that. It's got to be pushing seven years ago that I think the first 4G phones rolled off. Um, if I was fast enough, I'd look it up on the internet, but I don't feel like it. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, I think what I've been trying to tell people is just, just relax. It's going to be okay. It's going to be cool because, you know, anytime you're increasing the bandwidth and the capacity, we don't know what's going to come out of this. I mean, nobody could have predicted years ago, how much people would be reliant on their cell phones to call call for a car and a stranger comes and picks you up, mm -hmm. you know, have food delivered to your house. You know, the, the mobile apps of, you know, the last five years, nobody could have predicted as far as who was going to be the winners. So we don't know what's going to come out of this revolution. Uh, we don't know what's going to come out of this next generation. And so I've just been trying to tell people, you know, you're going to hear a lot in 2020. And we were up until all of this happened you know we were hearing 5g 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 in like every single advertisement like you said the super bowl is five you know the super bowl was basically sponsored by 5g mm -hmm. uh, you know at this point so it was uh you know and i'm just telling people to just realize it's not going to be here tomorrow so even though t-mobile is telling you they've got 5g nationwide you know they're talking about these um you know low band and medium band uh spectrums and so it's not you know going to be this ultra fast point to point now those those places, those stadiums, those conference, those giant um, arenas and things like that, those are going to be perfect for 5G, right? Because it's point to point. And, you know, it's going to be, you know, those nice wide open spaces so that you're going to be able to put them all around and everyone's going to be able to have this magnificent thing. What I'm trying to tell people is that's not going to come to your local, you know, local convention center anytime soon, right? That's incredibly expensive infrastructure. And it's, you know, it's anything that's got anything in the way as far as a post or a pole or anything like that is not going to work. So just mostly I'm telling folks to slow your roll. It's not a big deal. You don't have to worry about it. Literally had people raising their hands saying, do I need to go out and get a new, you know, 5G iPhone as soon as it comes out? And I was like, do you need a new phone? <laughs> like, no, not really. Okay, then no, <laughs> you don't, you know. Well, no, well, well said. So I, I actually, you, you brought up an interesting point here, and I'll go back to something you said earlier, which will connect the two. You said venues won't want to sell Wi-Fi, right? And, and I always say this, money drives behavior, right? And 
in terms of from a event venue perspective or an event planner perspective wi-fi has become a commercial element right at the same time while it has become an enabling element it is a commercial element as well and they are able to control who gets it how much they get it and how much they charge for it whereas you know if you talk about 4g they have no control because it's it's provided by you know blanket coverage the public infrastructure provided by wireless carriers you don't get to have a slice of the pie just by saying i control this this portion of connectivity in my building um, you either invest in it in that infrastructure to make sure everyone in the building who's who's there gets wi-fi coverage and you know technologies like distributed antenna system das and all those and, and have been implemented by a large a lot of venues to make sure the wireless coverage is good indoors but they have never been able to monetize that from a perspective of saying hey i can up your you know bandwidth and i can give you the slice of the 4g bandwidth and sell this to your event you know exhibitors and things like that 5g on the other hand it's 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 something to think about it's it's kind of heading in that direction i don't know you last time we spoke about and i said I'll, I'll share something on this right so this is something that i don't know if you heard of network slicing you know this is not implemented yet and because the infrastructure doesn't support it but it is heading in that direction where there will be a mechanism for the venue owners depending on the size of course the smaller ones won't won't make any sense but the larger venues will be able to actually have a slice of the network dedicated to them for a dynamic period of time and control how they want to use it just like you know are they being able to do wi-fi maybe maybe by that time when when once that is implemented there is going to be enough motivation for them to see how they leverage and invest in the infrastructure so they can control the outcome of it. Do you think that will change any any sort of infrastructure budgeting and, and decision making? It'll be fascinating to watch. I mean, it's I, I, I still maybe I'm just a cynic, but I, I still think that the for the vast majority of, of venues, things aren't going to change. And because uh, it's you're still investing in someone else's network. Um, you know that being said, I mean the idea of of what is this NVMO, the you know these 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 subcarriers on on the mobile networks. You know maybe there's something along those lines that combine you know the two concepts where hey we'll give you a, a dedicated slice of of our network and you then kind of act as a sub network and you know we get a chunk of the change and you get a chunk of the change. Honestly, I think it'll come down to how big of a difference in cost of implementing the infrastructure and how big of a difference in the perceived benefit to the customer. If hotels and venues can just upgrade their systems to Wi-Fi 6 and get the benefits of kind of the increased capacity, you know, a little bit of a bump in bandwidth speeds or, in, you know, in speeds of, of the network and people are satisfied with that. Um, you know, I think that's the direction they'll go because then they'll own the whole thing just like they do now. And enough venues, hotels and venues see that as a profit center or a carrot that they can dangle and say, hey, you know, if you use the in-house preferred in-house AV vendor, then we'll give you a discount on the Wi-Fi. And then, then that's an additional cut of revenue. So I think it's I think it's possible. And like you say, large venues, you know, because large venues already today uh, are putting in the cell phone cell connectivity, uh, you know, to enhance the cell connectivity in their in their spaces without getting a piece of the pie. You know, they're yeah, just doing yeah. it as a benefit, uh, you know, a benefit to their attendees. So I think those larger facilities 
um, potentially could go down that road. But I think for the vast majority of conference and event centers, I think it's just going to be kind of business as usual. But again, maybe I'm just a cynic. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, there's there's going to be all sort of technologies. And, and I know Wi-Fi 6 is, is evolving at a very fast rate as well, and it will bring a lot of benefits. And I, a lot of time I get into a discussion where people say, hey, 5G will end Wi-Fi. And I said, no, it will not. <laughs> um, like, there is, tell no. me one, one technology that has replaced the other technology completely. And we still have 3G out there, the 3G phones, yeah. right? And parts line and public switch telephones that are still out there. Um, hey, if I if I could, I just I want to I want to follow up on one small part of what I just said, and because you you talked about, um, you know, kind of the the to a certain extent the 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 money being there and how do you follow it and how do you monetize it and things like that. I I pers- this is my non cynical side. I personally believe that the venues that do start to treat it as a benefit that they provide. Um, so hey, you know, we're going to include high quality Wi-Fi in our meetings and events. We're going to include at least one hardline internet connection of X megabits per second, you know, as part of our package. I think people will start to take notice of that. And I believe that people will start to then, you know, send business to those venues. And I've met a couple of them that were starting to experiment with that. And of, of course, now with everything being canceled for the next two quarters, you know, it's going to be a while before we can find out the results of those experiments. But I'm I'm really curious to know if that does wind up paying off in the long run. Planners have long memories and they hate being nickel and dimed. And they've been nickel and dimed for years now on Wi-Fi and connectivity. So I, I personally believe that venues that start to just see this as a as a perk that they provide to increase the quality of their venue and the quality of the attendee experience at their venues, I think the money will follow. Now, I, I personally think that the way of monetization is is changing. It's one is you're you're charging, you're putting a fee to it, or you are giving an experience and bundling that in price price of the ticket. Right, there are two ways to 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 look yeah. at it. Yeah. And um, and I personally feel that you know 5G, although you know there is not a wide deployment of it, it does have merits in terms of what it promises as a technology. And I personally feel, and I want to take your opinion on it. I mean, if I go out there, right, events. I mean, they are buildings and you're, it's, this, this is such an industry where everything gets set up the last minute. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed to see staying at the last day of the show. If you are there for another three hours, you'll be like surprised to see if this is really the same place and, <laughs> right. and how dynamic this particular industry is in terms of setup. That means, you know, digital displays. And I always wonder, man, how are they putting these digital displays all over the place? I mean, they must have pre-planned so much that the ethernet is coming here, the connectivity is coming here, uh, the power is coming here. And what if they were wrong? What if people are actually not spending time in these areas and the, the hotspot has become something else? And how do I move these digital displays there? And I always wonder, like, would it be best if I have a wirelessly connected digital display that can stream this content in the right quality, always dynamic, can interact with people, can give me, you know, interactive touch points in this, can even monitor how many people are there. And based on that, I can do a lot of things in it. Is the technology even there? And <laughs> I always wonder back and like, okay, can 5G do this? And what's your view on that? 
I think I think it's definitely going to help. I mean, we're you know a lot of what's been talked about as far as the you know amazing benefits that's coming down the down the way, I think will come down the way. It's just a question of whether or not it's five years, ten years, or fifteen years down down the way. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh it's one of those things where the more we can. Data is just going to be everywhere. It's going to be flowing like water. It's going to be just like we don't think about the electricity that's in our walls. We don't really think about the water uh, pipes that's in our walls, you know, until unless something goes wrong, you know, on, in either case. Um, you know, that's going to be what data is like. We're just going to have data everywhere. And uh, 5G is definitely going to be facilitating that out in the world because of its increased capacity. So even though a lot of the speeds in those lower and medium bends aren't going to be like tremendously faster than what we've got now, the increased capacity is going to make it feel faster. And the decreased latency is going to make it feel faster. And so being able to, in real time, um, you know, and a lot of this stuff was is, was already kind of on the, you know, it's 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 happening in events and had a bright future. We'll have to see when we come out of this on the other end, if it still does. But, you know, doing more with attendee tracking, doing more with attendee personalization, you know, you, you bring up the fantastic point of how do we know that's where the traffic is? How do we know where that's where the people is? And so using active tracking technologies, using RFID and Bluetooth low energy and um, all these things, these were already kind of starting to be used in our in-person events to track people as they move throughout the event. And so you would be able to see in real time, dude, we spent all this money and all this time setting up, like you said, a digital display or, you know, the golf simulator or, you know, the vodka luge over in the corner, you know, all of these things that we think are going to be popular. And now you start to be able to quantify it and be able to actually say, you know, I only stuck my head in the room twice and it seemed like the golf simulator was really popular. Mm-hmm. But now you'd be able to go back and see, oh, it just I just happened to stick my head in in the two times that it was busy. The rest of the night, it was dead. Yeah. But everyone was over here, you know, with the ventriloquist who apparently was a hit and everybody loved. And so you start to learn more about your attendees. You start to learn more about what they like, what they don't like, what is worth spending your money on, that ROI, that all-powerful ROI, right? You know, so you start, we were just starting to play around with these technologies as far as being able to quantify and really show the, the ROI of the portions of our events. Being able to do that in real time is going to be fantastic, right? You're going to be able to see people are backing up at that catering station over there. We need to open up another one. You know, people seem to be stuck as they're coming in the door because the bar's right there. We need to open up more doors. We've already had uh, people, festival uh, festival uh, runners and things like that that have started to use this technology, have used that to start opening up more entrances as they see that people are backed up in real time. So that's where I think we're going to see the most like immediate fun as this start, as this technology starts to roll out and we get to, you know, that increased capacity and that reduced latency, that's what's going to be able to do all this kind of real time ROI tracking. Plus a lot of fun stuff too, like holograms and junk like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I always uh, feel, you know, tracking, once you're able to track what action do you take in a real time, which like you said, door opening and everything, I always wonder digital displays, right? Is, is such a fixed asset. I mean, it looks like a fixed mm, asset, right? Yeah. Can you move it? And and the reason you're not, sometimes, I mean, there are digital assets which are completely stuck to the wall, which you won't change. But there are there are displays that you know you're bringing on like cow, uh, carts on wheels type digital displays, and you can move them. 
And if they were not dependent on the infrastructure of the power or they were not dependent on the infrastructure of the Ethernet coming, connecting to them, you can always move them. That's that's always fascinates me on, on how the technology can you know play a role there in just you know being more dynamic. Yeah. Um, and there are services that are doing that that are you know basically wireless you know little Chromecast dongles that you can stick into an HDMI port and then you can route whatever information you want to route to whatever display. So if that display has to move, you know now you can change uh, change what it's displaying on. I'm also I've, display technology is like my pet like thing that I'm really into. Um, that and cybersecurity for events. But the display technologies that are coming down the corner. I don't know if you happen to see the the, the thing with the Delta did with where multiple people could look at the same display and see different things. Oh no. Um, yeah, I want to say, well, it was, yeah, CES happened. That was one of the last big events that happened before all of this hit. And I want to say it was at CES. And so they're actually using almost like a lenticular display where, you know, it's like forming the the photon beams at different people in different directions based on who they are. So they were combining facial recognition to know who you were, combined with cameras to know where you were standing in the room. And then the display, no matter where you stood in the room, was only showing you the information that was that was for you. And so this idea of personalizing the displays for each individual attendee uh, as they're walking by is fascinating. And so that it's not changing as different people walk by, literally you only see the display that's destined for you. And so all of this type of, you're going to need incredibly fast, lightning fast, you know, data transfers in order to be able to start pulling this off in any meaningful way. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Okay. This is actually happening. I didn't know that because you know, I work <laughs> on a technology called computer vision and which is basically facial recognitions and, you know, all type of video analytics of what is happening in the market. And what you're just saying is if you really want to apply this concept of 5G, which is ultra fast connectivity with concepts like computer vision, which is, you know, real time analyzing the video feeds and then putting it at the edge, which is another concept of MEC edge computing all of them together can actually make this happen in a broad way. I think you're going to see that as a as a trend, as a, as a theme of over these next over this next decade. It's not going to be about any one technology that just blows your mind. It's going to be these fusing of technologies, these combinations of technology that are going to be like, "Whoa, that's 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 incredible." Because, you know, in order to pull off a display like that, there's so many different moving pieces um in order to, you know, metaphorically <laughs> moving pieces uh in order to make it, you know, in in order to make that go. That I think that's where we're we're going to start seeing our minds blown is not by it's not that 5G is going to blow our minds, but 5G no. is going to enable something. Yeah, that we haven't even thought of that's going to blow our mind. Yeah, on, on that note, I don't know if you're tracking. There's something called 5G broadcast. It's it's not 5G network as you use for your cell phone usage. It's 5G broadcast, a parallel network that gets overlaid on top of existing infrastructure, which is primarily being, you know, created to do unidirectional broadcast traffic, and a lot of radio and TV broadcasters are actually looking into it. So have you come across that at all in events? I haven't, but I'm not surprised because, again, you know, those those types of technologies, uh, you know, video streaming and getting getting video and, you know, video and audio. Well, not so much audio, but video for sure as we go into, you know, 4K and 8K production value, you know, is is really bandwidth intensive. Yeah. And so being able to get stuff from point to point quickly and effectively, um, uh, I would not be surprised at all. I mean, that's 
there's a whole section of of uh, video production that is completely done, you know, video over LAN. And so it's, you know, same, I would imagine a similar idea. I don't, I haven't heard enough about it, but I would imagine it's something similar where you're just trying to transfer these files and video streams very, very quickly with very low latency uh, over short distances. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is uh, a lot of new exciting times to come. I hope uh, we get over this this phase right <laughs> yeah. now and, and get back. And I'm really looking forward to you know how virtual and the physical worlds will come together in the near in the in the future events. A lot, there's a lot of lot of room technology will play, I believe. And uh, well, good topic, Brennan. Thanks, thanks a lot for all the insights. I think this was a good conversation and then we really think we touched upon several topics that pertains to events and how technology plays in it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Um, I guess I would uh, ask for one more soapbox moment to just say there's a lot of people hurting out there. So if you are one of the lucky folks out there that uh, still has a job and uh, aren't sick, um, you know, please do what you can out there to to help other folks. You know, think about giving blood to American Red Cross. Think about giving money. A lot of kids out there are off of school that uh, still need school lunches and things like that um, that in the past were provided for free uh, by the government. And so some cities and states are still doing that. Some are not. So be sure to take a moment uh, to be thankful for what you have and uh, help out folks if you can. Thank you. That was such a closing, great closing remark. And uh, and I think we all have to do our part. Um, I'm sure the event industry is doing theirs and everyone in the telecom industry and the other industries is trying to figure out ways uh, to, to help out. And I think collectively we can we can really combat this. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. Thank you. Thank you a lot again.